You are listening to an MLGA Network podcast. The only people for me are the mad ones. The world is filled with the boring and the barely conscious. Misery loves company. But we don't have to live this way. Jessica and I are here to talk to those the system rejects, to radicals and thought criminals. The ones who never yawn or say a commonplace thing, but push the boundaries of acceptable discourse. Those who stare reality in the face and dare it to be different. History isn't made by the timid, and fun is not had by the perpetually afraid. We are the Mad Ones. So let's get to it. Welcome to the Mad Ones. I'm here wearing an official The Mad Ones tank top purely because we are talking to a tattoo artist tonight, and I feel like it would be a sin to not let my new tattoo show host Cam Harless. And with me, as always, is your Twitch stream and Minecraft playing garden and canning hostess, Miss Jessica Green. How are you doing, Jessica? <laughs> I'm very well. How do you do, Cam? I'm doing all right. We have a really cool guest today, one that I've followed for many years uh, because he works against some things I hate very much and some things I'm, I've always been passionate about. Um, but before we, we get there, I'm going to introduce him in a second. Before we do that, I do want to mention, if you want to support us, if you like coffee, run your mouth coffee. We have a partnership with them, rymcoffee.com. It's delicious. They age it in bourbon barrels, and I, I can you, you know I like that. Um, but if you go to their <laughs> website, use the, the promo code the mad ones, you get 10% off and you help us keep the show afloat. So with that, let me introduce our guest joining us tonight is a man who turns pain into art, a follower of Christ who turned his artistic skills and some needles to help those whose lives had been stolen from them from reformed gang members to domestic violence survivors to women branded by men who forced them into sex slavery. Chris Baker is a man of action and helps in the work of making all things new with his ministry, Inc. 180. Welcome to the show, Chris. Hey, what's going on, guys? How you doing? <laughs> doing all right. Like I said, I, I started following you uh, several years ago. I can't tell you how many, but I remember um, when I was probably 14 or 15, I saw a, um, a little video. I think it was from Love 146. Yeah. And they were talking about sex trafficking. And they they made the statement that there are more slaves in America now than there ever were before in American history. That's and they were talking about sex true. slavery. Yeah, hundred percent true. And it was just this, you know, wrecking ball to me because I, I mean, I before that I kind of knew something like that might happen, but I was a kid. Right. And I was thrown into this reality of men stealing women and little girls and little boys and putting them into this this world and forcing them to use their bodies for these men's profit. And it's disgusting. I've always hated it. Um, so I heard in that time, you know, I've supported Love 146. Um, I, I know I've donated to you a couple times. Uh, there was a place in in Alabama where I'm from called the Well House that I, that I helped out a little bit. Actually, when I was in between churches, I tithed to Wellhouse Ministries. Very cool. Because it was just something that I've always cared about. But I think maybe my favorite—I'll say charity, not ministry—were the group of bikers that I heard about that would go around and find the places where they had these women, yeah, and they would, you know, break out their ball peen hammers, run in and get those women out. And I just—I was like, that's the kind of people, Christian or not, those are right. the kind of people I'm—I'm I'm down with. Seriously, I know I love that stuff too. It's like 
Um, that's the, I think probably the coolest thing about this work is I get to work with some amazing organizations and, you know, it, it's funny because when I speak in churches, people are like, oh my gosh, like what you do is crazy. And I'm like, that's just what we do. And I hear about guys that are going kicking in doors and, you know, dragging <laughs> pimps out by their ankles. And like, that's what I want to do. Yeah. I want to do some of that. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. It's there's, that's the cool thing about this fight is there's room for everybody. You know, and there, oh, there's yeah. something for everybody to do. Some well, heroes carry hammers, I guess. I'm telling <laughs> right. you, what have I been trying yeah. to tell you, Jessica? Yeah. <laughs> um, that's right. But but that's what what you do is, was particularly interesting when I came upon it because I'm a big fan of tattoos. I'm a big fan yeah. of tattoo art. Um, I'm going to be so covered at one at some point in my life. The 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 sleeve is getting there. We're not there yet. You're young. Um, you got time. <laughs> but um, I that was another realization that you brought me to was that sex traffickers. I mean, I know gang members have tattoos. I know that sure. there are people who've been hurt by their ex-husbands and still have the tattoo of their name that they might want covered. But I never thought about branding a human. And that's yeah. what these monsters do. And that's something that you address. I'd love to hear your story, how you got there. Oh, man. And I know they would. The audience would as well. Yeah, so the, the the short version of a very long 50-year story so far is uh, I grew up in South Central Los Angeles in the 80s and 90s, and um, I was never in any gang, but all my friends were. They were all bloods, and uh, they took care of me. They protected me. They knew I wasn't about that life, but I was an artist, so I started doing you know hand-poking tattoos for them on my mom's front porch with her sewing kit when I was like 15. Um, but I, I watched 17 of my friends die growing up and brutal. I mean, um, I was in close proximity. My best friend Dante was, was shot and killed. Um, it was about almost 14 years ago now. And I was three feet away from him when he got hit. And um, I just, decided with my wife, Lisa, that it was time for us to move our family. We have three kids. Um, they're now 23, 19 and 16. But um, when they were little, we were like, we don't want our kids growing up the way we did and seeing the things that we saw. So although we met out there in high school and got married and everything after, uh, you know, we were, I think we were like 22, 23 when we got married, been married 27 years. But uh, we just decided to move our family out to the Chicago area where she was born and raised. So you know, it's, it's kind of crazy because when we did that, we said, you know, Chicago's got all the things that we love. It's got arts and music and it's very diverse. And that's important for us raising our kids. We want our kids to be brought up around different cultures and different people of different faith backgrounds and everything. Yeah. Um, so we're like, let's let's move to Chicago. They have all that. and They don't have any kind of gang problem like we have in L.A. Wrong. Um, <laughs> I think I think Chicago right now is worse than L.A. ever was. And that's saying a lot because L.A. was yeah. real bad. Um, but anyway, I um, I went through some real, real struggles um, in my life due to the fact that I had unaddressed, um, undiagnosed and untreated mental health issues um, as a result of a lot of things that I experienced as a kid. Um, PTSD, depression, anxiety, the whole gamut. Yeah. And um ended up in a counselor's office with my wife because I was suicidal and she was terrified that I was going to end my life. And, um, 
to her credit, and I, I, I tell her this all the time, you know, she came to me one night and said, I think that we should go and talk to somebody. She didn't say, I think you need to go talk to somebody because you're a mess and I'm afraid of you and what you're going to do. And I think we should. And that's yeah. super important. Um, because if she would have come at me the other way, I would have been like, I'm not going to see any counselor. I don't care what you say. I don't need that, you know. And uh, anyway, this counselor was a Christian counselor. And I just felt very at ease talking with her um, and with Lisa. And it was like, it's kind of like I went in there and <laughs> it was like kind of like talking to your favorite aunt that you haven't seen in a while, you know? And we're just kind of putting everything out there and laid everything out. And we both really liked her a lot. Her name was Joan Guest. And uh, she kind of looked like the church lady from the old Saturday Night Live <laughs> episode. <you know? laughs> and she had like the cat posters on the wall. Remember like the hang in there poster, the yeah. cat like hanging on the wall. Yeah. She hang in there, baby. Yeah. yeah. And, um, so we liked her. We were making an appointment to come see her the, the following week and really kind of start digging in on some things and start working. And I was grabbing my hoodie to, to head out and she's like, oh, you know, I like to offer to pray for my clients before we wrap up. And I was like, oh, man, like, here we go. And uh, I kind of rolled my eyes and I was very arrogant, very lost, very broken and basically told her, you know, if you think it's going to help, go ahead and pray. It's fine. And um, I can tell you i'm blessed because i can tell you exactly the date and time when i knew god was real um and the holy spirit smacked me upside the face when she was praying for me and just said basically follow me and this is gonna be okay and wow. i i went to church the next day six months later i was on top of a mountain in haiti with my church building a school and looking for any and all ways that i could serve um serve god serve the community help people um, because I was being radically transformed rapidly um, from a guy who used, I used to be one of those people that would see things on TV or on the news or in the community and say, you know, somebody's got to do something about that. That's, a, that's not right. And then God was like, well, you're somebody get to work. And uh, so that was my thing as still is my thing. It's, it's a pleasure to be able to serve people and help people, but through doing all that, I loved it and it was fulfilling. Um, but I didn't feel like it was my calling. And mm -hmm. I was really going there deep with my faith and stuff and saying, you know, God, why am I here? I got 17 dead friends and it could have just as easily been me many of those times. And yeah, why am I still here? And basically um, the answer that I got to that prayer was go do what you love to do more, more than anything and do it for free. And I was like, well, I love tattooing more than anything, but there's enough Christians that give me a hard time about it. So I, that can't mm -hmm. possibly be doing God's work. And uh, basically just reiterated, like, I told you what to do, get to work. And so we started Inc. 180 in our house, in our basement. We built a studio in our basement. We're bringing gang members into the house to cover their tattoos for free. Um, and my kids were upstairs doing their homework. I didn't know these guys. Like, anything could have happened. Nothing ever did happen uh, that mm -hmm. was bad. Um, and then it just kind of blew up. You know, I, I had given an update at church one day and one of my friends uh, is an agent with Homeland Security, he's a narcotics agent. And he came up to me all excited. He's like, Chris, you got to come talk to my gang unit. They would love to talk to you. And I was like, are you serious? Like Homeland Security? He's like, yeah. I was thinking back, like my old life, man, I was like, if I was talking to any federal agents, I'd be like shackled to a table with a light in my face, you know? <laughs> 
Yeah. Um, so I welcomed it. I was like, this is, this is kind of awesome. So I went up and their trafficking team um, happened to sit in on the meeting as well. And that's when I got my eyes open to the world of sex trafficking, because I knew I didn't know anything about it other than that it happened like in, you know, Southeast Asia or Eastern Europe. It was one of those over there problems. Not that that diminishes it or makes it any less disgusting, but I think when we find out that things like sex trafficking are going on in our backyard every day, it's very eye-opening. And mm -hmm. uh, it certainly was. And that just, that launched everything. And the ministry um, has been going on for the last, it'll be 10 years in October. We'll celebrate our 10 year anniversary in October. Um, we've been tremendously blessed to help over 7,700 people remove or cover their tattoos free of charge. Um, no questions asked. And we love that we get to do it. So we help, you know, former gang members, sex trafficking survivors, yeah. domestic violence survivors, uh, mm -hmm. people that dealt with self-harm or cutting, we cover their scars. Uh, we help people that are going to the military, get rid of tattoos they need to get rid of to go into the military. It's just, it's a tremendous blessing for us to be able to do this work. Um, but in addition to that, we do a lot of educational things. We go into the schools and, um, educate kids, we educate um, teachers, social workers, nurses, hairstylists, like how do you identify sex tra trafficking that's going on right under your eyes and what do you do about it? Um, and then my daughter and I also teach a social media safety class every month free of charge because so many parents, you know, whatever age they deem acceptable to give their kids one of these horrible devices, they Put a, I put an iPhone in their hands and they're like, hey, happy birthday. And that's the last time they look at their phone, the kid's phone. Mm -hmm. uh, so we, we talk to kids and parents together to really start a conversation that goes on and on and on about social media, the safe use of it. And it, really, it's about teaching parents also how to react when their kids bring them things that are hard to deal with, like... My oldest daughter, Mackenzie, one day she, I was sitting here watching a baseball game. She comes in with her phone like this, dad, look at this text message I just got. And it's some boy naked. And I'm like, all right, okay, cool. Um, let's delete Where's that. the hammer? And <laughs> I said, let's delete that. And I knew the kid. That was the thing. I knew the kid and his parents. And, but my reaction to that was very important almost more important than the fact that she felt comfortable enough to bring it to me because I knew that if I overreacted like most parents would, yeah. she would never bring me anything again. Right. Uh, and then to my own surprise, like I didn't just completely slam this kid. I went over and we had a talk. We had a, a very uncomfortable conversation uh, with me mm -hmm. and his parents and him. But at the end of the day, I was really happy with how it all worked out and played out and I see that kid all the time now and he's like hey Mr. Baker how are you and I'm like I'm good uh <laughs> you know but he'll he'll never forget that moment because I could have laid down the hammer I mean what these kids don't realize by doing this stuff is they're committing a felony they're mm -hmm. sending child pornography yeah and so yeah we do a lot of education on all that kind of stuff I speak in churches I you know colleges junior highs high schools the whole deal so um, Very busy. When I say, was, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'm sorry. 
I was going to say, when I was looking through, because I've seen the pictures of the barcodes before that the yeah. girls have on them. and But I just thought that they were more or less not functional, but yeah. um, just art. But I was reading something, but apparently they can read it with their phones. Is that true? They can't, they cannot be scanned. So okay. whoever posts, I've seen a couple organizations put that out there and that's hundred percent false. Okay. However, however, if you look at a lot of these barcode tattoos, there's a number code below it, just like on any barcode for anything you would buy. What they do have in the dark web, they have databases where these numbers are listed. So for example, let's say a, a girl is being trafficked in Chicago. She runs away, goes to Milwaukee to get away. A pimp or a gang member, somebody that's involved with trafficking sees a barcode, they, they grab her, take her off the street. And they go into these databases and look up that number. And if it's registered, it'll say who she is, who her pimp is, where she's from, how long she's been involved in the game. Uh, just every bit of information you could imagine about that person that's being trafficked. Um, and then they'll contact that trafficker that's listed and say, hey, we found so-and-so here in Milwaukee. What do you want us to do? You know, and there's usually one of a few different answers. We'll send somebody to get her. We'll sell her to you. We're sick of dealing with it or make her disappear. And I'll tell you, um, criminals, especially around Chicago, are real good at option three. God forbid they ever drain these rivers and see what's at the bottom of them because a lot of these folks who are trafficked are never seen alive again. Um, in fact, less than less than 1% of all who are trafficked are ever recovered. Wow. Wow. Yeah. That's an astonishing statistic. It's, it's sickening. Um, yeah. And I, I'll tell you, like, I don't go into a Walmart store. And it's not because I don't like Walmart. It's because when you walk in, the first thing you see is a wall full of missing posters. And I know based on what we do, like I know what some of them are dealing with and yeah. it's, it's, it's a mess. It's a mess. When I, when I was um, in college, I was approached several times by women mm. who would be on campus and they would come up to us and they would try to recruit us to what was supposed to be some kind of Bible study, um, mm. some kind of church. Um, there was this one called the mother of God. Yeah. That it turned out and the email went around school when they were found out that these were actually sex traffickers who were recruiting girls to come off campus. Yeah. And I'm not sure what I never went, you know, but yeah. um, I had been it, approached right? and, and I know, but for the grace of God, go I, mm. but mostly it was women. I, I never saw a man trying yeah. to recruit girls. It was women who was, was doing the recruiting. Yeah. Well, and that's, that's a really important uh, point. Yeah. Cause it's like uh, Jeffrey Epstein. Had yeah. Jelaine Maxwell yeah. be used for that. Well, that's the thing, right? So let's say you're you're a trafficker. Well, a young girl is going to be way more apt or more comfortable talking to another woman than a guy that they don't know, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So they'll they'll do that a lot, and a lot of times what they'll do is they'll take a woman or a girl who they're trafficking, and they'll say, "Hey, look." If you go out and get me five more, 10 more, 15 more girls or boys or whatever, we'll let you go. Well, that's a lie. They never let them go. Right. What happens is they do the recruiting and they kill them or they sell them, right? 
there is no end game. There's no retirement. Um, but yeah, a lot, it's a lot of, um, recruiters and even pimps or traffickers are female. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I've even heard of some traffickers using little kids to, Mm -hmm. to, to, you know, bring in younger people. Well, the average age of entry in the United States, the average age of entry into the world of sex trafficking is 13. Oh my God. So, yeah. And I'll tell you, go ahead. The, the other thing about the whole, cell phone thing because of that I was gonna ask about. wonderful device everything is done electronically they're not walking the streets like julia roberts and pretty woman you know it's all done via phones and the internet right. uh, you know dark web site escort sites the whole deal but because of these uh, wonderful devices the average age that our kids see pornography for the first time is eight and that does horrible things to your brain, you know? So you've got a bunch of kids out there who are hormonally charged up already watching pornography. And it's just, it, it goes from bad to worse to absolutely horrific real quick. What I was wondering about when you mentioned the phone and how young kids are when we give them smartphones at this point, is the recruiting done through online methods and is it done through social media methods? And what is something that like parents can watch out for with social media to know that, you know, their parents, their, their kids are being targeted. Yeah. So absolutely. um, Recruiting is done via social media. Uh, It's done via texting, social media, different platform. TikTok even has been used in recruiting. Um, under the guise of, you know, modeling, oh, we're looking for models, we're looking for brand ambassadors, we're looking, you know, this and that and the other. Um, The gaming systems are also a huge tool that traffickers are using the online, like um, Xbox Live kind of thing. Yeah. My son had been contacted by people asking him for pictures on Xbox Live. Wow. He's in there playing Call of Duty and he's getting private messages from people. Um, And Luckily, because we have the relationship that we have and the conver- ongoing conversation about this stuff in my house, he came to me and said, hey, dad, I just got this. I didn't even respond to it. I just wanted to tell you. And I was like, we gave it over to the FBI and they dealt with it. Wow. Um, but yeah, a lot of the recruiting is done that way. And uh, that's that's the biggest problem is you know parents, I think a lot of parents kind of do this. They don't want to know. They don't want to know what their kids are doing. They don't want to read the text messages. And it's not, and also I'll tell you, when we do these classes, a lot of parents will tell me, oh, my kid would never fall for that. My kid would never do something so stupid. Well, I'll tell you right now, (laughs) that tree behind me, those are all handprints from sex trafficking survivors we've had in this room removing tattoos from. And I Mm -hmm. bet you all their parents probably said, my kid would never do anything that stupid, you know? So yeah. It's it's not that they're stupid by any means. It's that, you know, a lot of kids are fall for it because they're looking for love. They're looking for acceptance. They're they're looking for all the things that these pimps and these traffickers sell to them in their messaging. And what it it starts off very innocently and they're getting attention. And that's attention mm-hmm. that they're not maybe getting from their family or their friends mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, and before you know, they're like the, this person on the other end is saying, Hey, send me a picture. And it's just a regular, like take a selfie, 
you know, fully clothed, no big deal. So they do that. And then it's, you know, oh, send me a picture with no shirt. And it's like, it goes down this path. It gets worse and worse and worse till videos and the whole deal. And then it gets to a point where they're like, oh no, I'm not going to send that video. I'm not going to make that video. And they say, either you're going to do that, or I'm going to post all of this picture and video evidence that I have on your social media. And I'm going to tag your family and your friends and everybody's going to know it's going to be out there. So they feel trapped. And yeah, like, you know, if you don't come and meet me at this restaurant and have dinner with me, I'm going to put it all out there and then they're gone. Wow. Yeah. Um, well, when it comes to like the, the brands, um, I like the, you were the first person I heard about that from. Mm-hmm. And then, um, in the last couple of years, I, I'm sure you know about Nexium, the, yeah. the cult. Yeah. That was the first time that I'd seen it go wide because they tattoo branded the mm. girls as well. Yeah, they did. Can y'all um, clue me in on, I don't, I've never heard of Nexium before. Okay, so Nexium, um, was, is a, it's a cult essentially. Um, did you ever watch Smallville? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Do you remember Chloe from Smallville? Mm, vaguely. The blonde girl. Yeah. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. that blonde girl, uh, was a part of this cult and was one of the people who would recruit women to become sex slaves in this mm-hmm. cult. And she mm-hmm. was sentenced mm-hmm. to three years, I think, uh, what a year this year, I think yeah. a couple months ago. Yeah. And I, I believe the cult leader himself was sentenced to like 120 years in, pres- in prison. That's true. But she got um, three? She yeah, got three. Because she testified against them. I see. Okay. Yeah. All right. So yeah, they actually, it was weird because some of their, so a lot, I want to clear something up because a lot of times when people, you know, people for people watching, um, a lot of times when people hear the word branding, they think like branded, like a, like cattle, like what they used to do yeah. to slaves, right? With like a Yeah, I do. Yeah. It's not that at all. So when you hear us talk about branding in relation to sex trafficking, think of tattoos. They're branding okay. them with tattoos. They're marking, basically, essentially they're marking them as a piece of property. Don't some of them uh, like literally brand them as well, though? I've heard a couple. I personally haven't seen one, so I don't know. Okay, um, but okay. I, I've heard some talk about that. Um, nothing surprises me at this point. It's just that okay. I haven't personally seen it, so I don't. I'm not positive, but uh, yeah, it's so it's crazy. When you come across these tattoos, are they all typically barcodes these days, or no. are they names or? Yeah, in fact, so when we started doing these, a lot of them were barcodes. I would say probably 65%, 70% were barcodes initially. Okay. We hardly see any barcodes anymore. Hmm. Now we see we see different things, right? So we see a lot of names, you know, property of so-and-so. We'll see initials tattooed on them, so like the pimp's initials, trafficker's initials. But the big thing that we're seeing uh, just a huge increase in is the number of gang tattoos put on them because the gangs are trafficking a lot more now because gangs for decades have used drug and gun sales as their chief way of making money. But they got unfortunately smart and said, well, wait a minute, we can get 10 girls or boys or whatever, and we can force them to go out and prostitute themselves, give them a daily quota of $5,000 that they have to make and send them out in the morning and just sit here and wait for them to bring 5,000 bucks back each at the end of the night. And if they don't, we just beat the hell out of them until they do it the next day. 
<laughs> they call it boomerang economics. They send them out, they bring back cash. And it's very um, easy for the gangs to do it because they're real good at intimidation. They have all the weapons they need to scare the hell out of somebody. They have drugs to get somebody hooked on drugs to keep them doing what they want them to do and supply those drugs to them. Uh, and it's very um, safe for the gangs to do because you know if they're out there selling cocaine they go buy a kilo of cocaine mm -hmm. they break it down they go out and sell it they have to go and buy another kilo of cocaine which cops know how to to view that and how to investigate that how to bust that right if they're sitting in an apartment or a house just waiting for money to come back in at the end of the night local level cops don't know enough about this yet it's the feds that are doing all the work in sex trafficking um, and I know that because I get phone calls from local level police all the time. And they're like, we think we have a situation. Like, who are your FBI folks that we can talk to? And I put them in contact. Right. Wow. Um, so, yeah, the gangs are highly, highly involved in trafficking right now. Seems almost like they're a lot more sophisticated in their methods than police have any hope of being just like they technologically. Really they really are. And I'll tell you, um, just based on my history with friends and, and the people I work with, I hear stuff all the time and I see stuff all the time that the people that think that gangs are stupid punks, you know, oh, they're, they, they just don't have any clue. They're, they're more highly organized than the military. Wow. They're not stupid. They're not, you know, they are well organized. A lot of the times they are almost militaristic in their rankings how they're run, how they operate, mm -hmm. and they're not dumb. That's what makes us so hard to fight. I wish they were, um, but yeah, it, it makes it real tough. And that's what's interesting is just like drugs and all of the other vices of humanity, all of the the deep darkness, is it doesn't matter. Like the, the gangs are doing it and then the elites are doing it. Yeah. it's It, it, it runs the gamut of humanity. It does. That's it's so we talk a lot about hope on this show mm -hmm. because there's a lot of people who don't have any for sure. a multitude of reasons in life, especially over the last year and a half. There have been a lot of people who have felt worse than ever. Um, but I know that when you do what you do, you run across people who have been given new hope. Oh, yeah. And so so is there a I, I don't want to. Uh, you know, like call anyone out or make you say anything that would get anyone in trouble. But are there any stories from women that you've had these situations with and were able to cover up tattoos or remove them that are particularly memorable or particularly oh, yeah. hopeful that you might want to share? Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's a great question. That's why that's how we keep doing what we do. Um, when you sit in a, a tattoo shop, 14, 15 hours a day, and you hear story after story after story, stories that Hollywood could not write. Mm -hmm. um, it gets dark. Yeah. But there's um, there's stuff all the time that gives us hope. And, you know, when, when we, you know, just look, focusing on sex trafficking survivors, um, I would never fault them. After what they've gone through, I would not fault them one bit if they wanted to move to a cabin in the woods and completely shut themselves off from society for the rest of their lives. Um, but the the fact of the matter is, those who are lucky enough to get that hope and get that second chance and get 
pulled out of that hell, all they want to do typically is help others either A, not fall prey to it, or B, help those who did fall prey to it because they've been there too. And that is the best voice for a survivor to hear as another survivor. Mm-hmm. Um, so one in particular, uh, her name is Nicole. She's an, she's an advocate, so I can tell this story, and she's given me permission to tell it. But she was trafficked um, on a loop from Chicago to Milwaukee to Green Bay, Wisconsin, just on a continuous loop for three years. And uh, she had a child from her pimp. Uh, she would have to work six days a week in order to get to see her son on the weekends on Sunday. Um, he was basically taken from her and was being raised by the pimp's sister. Um, horrible story, very violent pimp. The pimp actually ended up getting life in prison without the possibility of parole. Um, he had 17 girls. Nicole was one of them. And when she got out, she had a brand on her neck um, with his name. I removed it and I removed tattoos for all 17 of those girls. But Nicole in particular uh, did something amazing. She's from Wisconsin. She went to lawmakers in Wisconsin with an idea. Um, One of uh, like anybody who deals with fighting trafficking, one of our biggest issues right now is the fact that buying sex is a slap on the wrist. If you're caught, if you're even caught doing it, it's a slap on the wrist. It's like a speeding ticket. Essentially it's a misdemeanor. And we need to put, sharper teeth in that whole program because what's the deterrent what is keeping men who are out there buying sex from doing it absolutely nothing at this point um so she went to lawmakers and said i want to put together a program called john school and it's going to be a multi-week class that people who are convicted of buying sex have to attend um, and have to register as sex offenders for 20 years And the money that they have to pay every year to renew their certification goes to educational programs on sex trafficking. So she's telling me about all this stuff. So she's like, I helped people in Wisconsin write this program. And it's a nine week class, similar to like when people get a DUI, they have to go and learn about all the things related to alcohol. So this is essentially the same thing. So for nine weeks, these men who are out there busted for buying sex and convicted they have to take this nine week class. She sent me a a copy of the curriculum for it to read it. And I thought it was amazing. There's a lot of things in there. I didn't even think of, didn't wouldn't have thought of because she's a survivor. She has the ultimate perspective. Um, and I happened to be be going up to uh, Madison, Wisconsin a couple weeks later. And she said, Oh, there's a, there's one of the classes going to be going on that day. If you want to come and just observe one, they I'm sure they'd have no issue with it. So I did, I went in and I'd been covering tattoos all day. I go into this auditorium at the University of Wisconsin at Madison and I'm walking down the steps of this lecture hall and I hear a familiar voice and it's Nicole and she's teaching the class. So not only did she fight for this program, help write this program, she's now teaching this program. So for nine weeks, these men have to come face to face with someone who is exactly what they were victimizing. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's powerful. It's, it's incredibly powerful. In fact, I talked to a couple of the, the guys after um, because she was very open and saying, this is where I'm from. This is what happened to me. And she tells her story and it, it was impactful to them. 
And I said, is this going to make you think twice about what you're doing? And they would, they all, everyone that I asked said, I had no idea it was like this. Yeah. Basically, yeah. And, and not that this makes it okay. I'm not, I would never excuse this behavior. But they said, well, we thought that they were just making money. Yeah. We didn't know that they weren't getting the money. And so they had no idea that it was actually trafficking. They thought, oh, well, right. she's just, just, just what she does, you know? Um, so very, very impactful and um, inspiring, really. You know, there's a lot of amazing survivors. There's um, another survivor um, named Jess that we get to work with. She's actually down in the Atlanta area. She has a ministry similar to Inc. 180. She reached out to me a number of years ago and wanted to start something in the Atlanta area to help survivors get rid of their branding tattoos. So she started um, Atlanta Redemption Inc. She's phenomenal, a survivor and in, in every sense of the word. Um, and she's a fighter, man. She will fight for these, these survivors to get what they need. And um, I take all my direction from survivors because they have that, that knowledge that, that they've seen things I haven't. And, um, I'm really blessed to work with some amazing survivors. They inspire us I, every day. You have this really sort of um, popular idea now that sex work is legitimate work. And everybody has this notion of this sort of like independent uh, prostitute yeah. or, or worker who's just earning money for herself. And we should be making it easier for sex workers. When in truth, what we're doing is making it easier for sex trafficking and for the abuse of, of women and, and every other person that might fall into this industry. Yeah. And yeah, so there's like a normalization of uh, sex work. There's a normalization of pornography. And I know a lot of people recently have had to come to grips especially with the scandal with Pornhub of yeah, finding out yeah. that a lot of pornography is actually people who are victims who That's are true. drugged or being forced into it, all the various kinds of things. I know quite a few people who have decided to stop consuming pornography mm -hmm. for that reason alone. Yeah. And I think being confronted with the knowledge that you're not just supporting some independent sex worker, this yeah. isn't, you know, pretty woman, like you were saying. Right. This is actually an industry. Yeah, well, two, two things on that. I 100% agree. Anyone, anyone that thinks sex work is harmless is fooling themselves. Um, I've had people that were, you know, taking that position in discussions with me. And I welcome that discussion. Anybody that's watching this wants to have that discussion with me, give me a call. Um, I would love to talk you through it because um, it's utter garbage. You know, I've had people tell me, oh, well, look at Nevada. Nevada has legalized prostitution and their sexual assault numbers are way lower. No, actually they're higher. Uh, if you do the research, it's not any lower. It's higher in Nevada. Um, that, that argument does not wash with me. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the, and the, the whole pornography thing, pornography is a huge, huge driver in sex trafficking. So you have the one aspect where people are being trafficked and videos are being put on Pornhub and other sites like Pornhub, 100%. Um, I spoke at the um, Chicago Exotica Expo five, six years ago with my friend Annie Donwald from Eve's Angels. And we were educating people in the pornography industry about sex trafficking. And I had people come up to me after and like, oh my God, I've seen girls with these tattoos. Because as vile and disgusting as the pornography industry is, they don't want this going on in their industry. But the fact of the matter is it does. Um, and it's rampant. 
Right. The other, the other part of pornography and its involvement in trafficking is pornography does a terrific job of creating unrealistic expectations of sex. Right. Um, and you've got kids who start watching porn at eight, nine, 10 years old. Now they have a not never ending stream of it right into their phone and their tablet and everything every day. Yeah. And they start dating and they start becoming sexually active and they're like, well, my girlfriend won't do this that I saw in this video. And I, I mean, right down the street from here, there's a massage parlor right behind me is a high school football stadium. I've sat outside in that parking lot and watched high school football players walk into that massage parlor that is known for sexual activity. Right. We've given evidence over to local police. They've done nothing about mm -hmm. it. Nothing about it. Then we've gone to churches and said, hey, we want to have a men's event to talk about things like pornography addiction, sex trafficking, infidelity. You know, like what's it like to be a real man? And because apparently that stopped being taught in the home a long time ago for some reason. And that's the problem. If we're not raising our boys to be real men and value women as equal partners and not just some sexual conquest, we're never going to see a change where sex trafficking is declining. It's only going to go up and become worse. Um, and at, at the same point, we've also stopped teaching our, our girls to really value themselves for being smart, not just beautiful and not just for how many likes they get on Instagram. Right. Uh, like, look at how many young people are starting OnlyFans pages. Yeah. Like, that's the next That's the next cesspool of trafficking right there. Mm -hmm. So it's, it, yeah. It, sometimes it's very hard to keep going when all these new things keep coming up. And you're like, gosh, man, like, are we making any kind of impact? And I just, I'm constantly reminded, I'm, you know, constantly, constantly reminded of the story of Jesus going after the one and leaving the 99. Um, right. As long as there's one more, we got to get to that one. We got to get to that one. And, you know, we're trying to go to churches and have them allow us to have these men's conferences. And to our face, they're like, oh, this is a great idea. We're like, we'll do it for free. We won't even charge for it. We'll just come and do it. Mm -hmm. It's that important to us in this fight. And to our face in that meeting, they're like, this is great. We're going to talk here. We're going to, we're going to make this happen. And then it's crickets, you know, yeah. why? because pastors and elders are addicted to pornography too. Right. And they don't want to face their own demons. They're more, they're more um, happy convicting everyone else of their sin than dealing with their own and changing it. So it's, it's a struggle. Right. Um, and we, we, we talked about, um, you know, social media briefly, one of the big issues on social media is child pornography mm -hmm. because on, on Twitter, if you say a mild slur and someone reports it, you're off Twitter. Yeah. But there's literal child pornography being posted to Twitter constantly all the time. And very few of those, those, those um, accounts are taken down. Right. And it's this, it's this strange and, in, I think that they're actually, I think her name's Eliza Blue. She talks about this a fair amount. 
Um, it's, she's she's a survivor of sex trafficking as well. Mm. But um, there are apparently two girls who had their pictures disseminated on Twitter and tried to get Twitter to take them down. And Twitter wouldn't. These are underage wow. girls. And apparently Twitter has made money off of this <laughs> in some way. And so they're being sued currently. I don't know how that's going or what that'll turn out. But social media is dangerous. It, oh, it, and it, yeah. it flies underneath. And they, they always – social media is not controlled by good people. No, it's not. Um, and it's often – directed by the government sadly like the, you know the fbi took took down the the biggest child um pornography ring on the internet yeah and then just kept it, well not not even that one there, there was the, the the child pornography site and they kept it up hmm. for like six six or seven months after they cracked down and took it down and just let yeah. the money come in and so I'm, I'm always like what the heck is going on here well i'll, I'll tell you this this may or may not surprise you i don't know um, I, I won't say which which uh, agency it was, but it's one with an acronym. And uh, when Backpage was taken down, my initial response was, "This is amazing." And um, I said, "This is great. It's the biggest you know trafficking escort site on the internet." And it was taken down. And they're currently going after. They've been going after the three men who created it. Yeah. Um, I don't know what the status of that case is, but they said I have had federal law enforcement folks tell me that it was not a good thing to take that down because they would use it to look for, go out and look for these kids. Yeah. <laughs> like they have a point, but damn, take that crap offline. But, but to their point, yeah, you take down Backpage, but 10 more are going to open up tomorrow. And that's exactly what happened. Yeah. They, or they right. hide it deeper. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that, so you're talking about porn. Like if I'm being completely open, I have struggled with it. Yeah. I think, I think my struggle started about 11 or 12 and mm -hmm. it's something that I, I still have to actively fight. Yeah. Um, and it has affected me in different ways. Um, but what was one of the moments that I was stupefied was I went into a group and you know you're looking for an accountability partner you're looking for someone you can talk to say hey i'm, I'm I, I feel like i'm gonna I'm, I'm weak i'm gonna mess up could you pray for me could you talk to me etc and this one guy was i had said yeah this, my issues are with you know porn and masturbation all that mm -hmm. and he he goes oh yeah i just need to talk to someone because i i go to prostitutes and i need i need someone to talk me out of going to prostitutes and i was just like wow Right. And there's there is much to be said about porn and how harmful it can be, how harmful yeah. it is, because it's something that I've witnessed myself. It's there's that law of diminishing returns. Yeah. You you have the the first time you it works in in different ways as well. But you you see a girl in a bikini. Oh, that's exciting. That's great. I love this. I'll use this. And then it just goes on and on further and further. Bikini it's like drugs so where right. your yeah. tolerance gets higher and higher. And so what you need to, you know, get your fix gets higher and higher. It's absolutely true. It's yeah, it's you're just going down a deeper path, you know, it gets darker right. and so, darker. And so that's what this guy's story was. Uh, he had started, I think he I don't think he had a phone or because, we you know, we're millennials. We didn't have cell phones when we were eight. Um, Thank but, God, right? 
<laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> but he had started with like magazines. Yeah. And then by the time he was 23, it was every weekend he was buying a hooker. And it, it's knowing because, you know, I've a lot of people do have this idea that most prostitution is just a woman doing a job. Yeah. And you, what you've said is true. I have all the ex-prostitutes or I've, I've spoken to a couple of ex-porn stars. By the way, I do. Uh, I'd love to talk to Brittany Ruiz at some point. Um, but uh, the people I have talked to in the past, all of them were either tricked into it, drugged into it, or stolen into it. Yeah. And so there is an industry and it's just, you don't want to think like that. You don't want to think that um, the in highest nice, levels, clean neighborhood. Right. And, and your right. you don't want to think about it being in your neighborhood. You don't yeah. want to think about it being at the your state capital or the U.S. capital. And there's mm -hmm. plenty of evidence that elites and, and politicians partake in this. There are there's oh, one there's there's one Republican senator um, who is known to to pick up dudes in Washington. So they have nicknames for him. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, you know, people ask me all the time, like, why is it so hard to get these laws changed? Why does it take so long? Well, why do you think? Because they're not going to stop their fun, you know? So, right. Yeah, we've we've seen that. And I'll tell you, I've had survivors in here that were trafficked down um, in central Illinois in Springfield, our state capital. And they've told me numerous times how senators and re you know representatives were regular clients. In fact, they'd been into the Capitol building in offices at the Capitol. Um, so it, it doesn't surprise me at all. You know, yeah. Mm. It, you know, you've got people. That's a know, big bite. Yeah, well, you got people that have some notoriety and some and some money, and they're they have humongous egos. They don't. They're gonna do it. They don't care. Um, yeah, we see that kind of stuff all the time. Have you ever heard of the the Franklin um, Credit Union cover up? No. Um, I, I I can't get too in too many details, but back in the early '90s, I want to say there was a cover up out of is it Franklin, Missouri? One of those Maybe. middle one, states. One of, yeah. I, I can't remember which one it was. But um, a, a, a kid, several kids had gone missing. Mm. And it there was a, um, a it's, he was part of the GOP. Um, it was his name. It's the same guy, Larry. Who's the, the old guy who looked like a, a troll that used to interview people? But he's not. He's no. Oh, Larry, Larry King. Larry King. There you go. <laughs> yeah. It was his name was Larry King, but it wasn't that Larry King. Okay. Um, and so the the credit union that he worked for was allegedly a there was this huge cover up over what happened. There was a guy named Paul Bonacci, I want to say his name was, who came out and told his story. And another girl told her story about how they'd been trafficked, how they had that one of the guys said that he was in a party where George H.W. Bush was in. <laughs> Yeah, and he they were hiding in closets until the the, the normies went away, Jeez. and both of those people were um, thrown in jail for perjury, even though there was no way to possibly prove that they were lying. Wow! And so that's that's one instance. And you have the Jeffrey Epstein's of the world. You have all of these dark 
people who are all connected to the people at the top. And I can't, so one of my big modes of learning when it's come to theology recently mm. has been um, the uh, principalities and powers. Yeah. And we'll be talking about that somewhat in October for one of our episodes. But every time I see that, and you, you know, you in Deuteronomy 32, it talks about how um, God stuck to Israel and then he put the sons of God, the nations were a portion of the sons of God, which sons of God is a word for um, someone in the divine council, essentially. Yeah. Um, and so every time I see this stuff happen, you know that there's demonic stuff going on. And there are some people who watch this who probably don't believe any of, any of that. I don't care. You see the, the, the how, how demonic this is. Yeah. And so it, it's Well, the fact that it's so supported me. by power, like the, the, right. the combination of power with these dark things really to me is like indicative of like demonic things. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I'll tell you this too. Like we've seen satanic tattoos on some of these trafficking survivors too. Mm -hmm. We've seen mm -hmm. pentagrams like scarred into their skin. Mm -hmm. uh, like mm -hmm. they were cut into their skin. Yeah, it's, it's, it is demonic. There's And there is, there's, you know, <laughs> and the thing that drives me nuts is, yeah, there's a ton of political and elite like Hollywood types that are involved in this stuff. Yeah. The thing that drives me nuts, though, is the people are like, oh, the you look at these Democrats, like, look at the Clintons. They're hanging out with Jeffrey Epstein. I'm like, well, there's pictures of Trump hanging out with dude, too. Like, it's not one party. Of that. It's all, right. like, all of them suck, you know? I don't uh, think you get to that level unless yeah. you're willing to play that kind of dark game. If you're, yeah. like, too much of a normie, you don't get up that high. Well, no, and and imagine control. that game of diminishing returns with someone who has that much power oh. and money. I mean, can you, can you imagine how dark things get at the top when they can tell people to do things and they have to? Yeah. I mean, the, the unfortunate truth and the fact of the matter is we live in a country where if you have the right amount of money, you can get yourself out of anything. Yeah. They've shown that too. Yeah. Like the, even when the big people go down, it's few and far between. And it's yeah. like all the other elites have decided that you're, you're the sacrifice. Right. And yeah. And so, you know, we have, um, what's his name? DiGiorno. Um, it's not, <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, uh, it, 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 I, I, I'm not, I'm, I'm not harassing women. I'm Italian. Oh, Cuomo. Oh, oh, oh Cuomo. Cuomo. Right. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, Cuomo's, ass. Cuomo's taken his big bite right now, but it's like, it's, yeah. it's not what he did. What he did was not the problem because they all do it. Right. You know, he's just the one that's being sacrificed. And well, yeah, you know, if you look at him too, what was his big thing the last four years speaking out against Trump? Right. So he was one of Trump's biggest critics when Trump was in office. Funny how he's the one going down for this stuff. Right. So, yeah, yeah, it's, it's all. And, and then Weinstein. Yeah. yeah um, our yeah. friend um, Monica Perez uh, talks about what she calls sacrificial wolves. Yeah. And so Weinstein is a perfect example. He's a gross looking dude. He's emblematic of the problem in Hollywood. Yep. So they executed him. I mean, he's still alive, but you know what I mean? They, they yeah. executed he's him. Done. They well, he's alive him. for now until he right. gets <laughs> Epstein, right? Yeah. But that's and Epstein just is, knew too much. That's why he's not around anymore because he knew yeah. the names and who was there and when they were there. Yeah. Yeah. 
And I'm not holding just, out too much hope for that Ghislaine Maxwell. Sorry, well, go ahead. <laughs> here's the thing with Maxwell. So here she knows, I think she knows more than Epstein knew. Yeah. And that whole case got really, really quiet. Right. Yeah, so sure did. when Trump was still in office, they were like, she's about to spill everybody's names and put everybody out there and testify against everybody. But then all of a sudden it got real, real quiet. You haven't heard anything mm-hmm. else since nope. Biden took office. Right. That's so, right. yeah, it's, well, it's crazy about that whole situation with Jelaine Maxwell was she was living in France in the same place that um, Roman Polanski lives. Yeah. Because you can't be extradited from there. right and so she was never planning to come back to america she didn't want to be extradited and then she just is in rhode island and picked up you never yeah. see pictures of her you never see what what happened to her you never hear hide her hair from her again mm-hmm. it's just all too very um convenient convenient <laughs> yeah, it almost feels like somebody went to france and put her on a private plane and brought her to rhode island for her to be arrested, doesn't it? Right, right. It's, yeah, so it's very convenient. Yeah, I, <laughs> I wanted I wanted that to shift direction too much, but I wanted to ask you. You said that you work in education, educating people who might be like hairdressers and those yeah. types of things who work in like maybe the beauty industry yeah. um, to recognize signs. Yes, and if a, you know these are like normal women just like myself, it, is there something mm-hmm. that I should notice? And if I do notice it, what should I do? So, yeah, it's a great question. So we tell people kind of some of the things to look for. One of the biggest things that I I educate tattoo artists, um, hairdressers, nail salon places is if there's a guy or someone brings them in to get services Mm -hmm. done that does all the talking, that holds all their money, pays for whatever they get done, um, and that person is, you know, super quiet almost doesn't even talk, doesn't make eye contact, has visible signs of injury, possible injuries. Obviously, you know, tattoo brandings on the neck, the hands, or even the face. We're seeing facial brandings now. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're all red flags. Um, okay. It's one of the biggest things that we have seen in the tattoo industry that is a major red flag is the whole ID issue because we have to card everybody that we tattoo and make a copy of their ID. Yeah. And why, why is there a guy holding your ID? Why is he telling me what kind of tattoo you want to get? Why don't you have any input on this? Right? Um, so that those are the kind of red flags that we're educating about. And then in the tattoo industry, we're telling them like, these are the kinds of tattoos that we're seeing. So if people are asking for this kind of thing, Mm um, you know, it's red flags. And as far as how to report it, we have them report it straight to the, the um, 888-373-7888 hotline number. It's a 24-hour American human trafficking hotline, U.S. trafficking hotline. Okay, let me say it again. 888-373-7888. Um, and it's confidential. You don't have to give your name. Um you know, we tell people get as much information as you can, as accurate a description as you can. If they get into a car, you know, what kind of car, what color, um, their license plate number, even a partial license plate number, um, as well as a description of the other person that was with them maybe or, or what the situation was. 
totally right. anonymous. You don't have to give your name. They're not going to come after you if it was nothing. You know, it's one of the things people think like, oh, if I report it and it's not true, then they're going to come after me. No, they're not. Right. Um, because it, we just need more people to stand up and speak up about this stuff. Um, so you wouldn't a, recommend, I'm sorry, just real quick, you wouldn't recommend necessarily calling your local police. It's better yeah. to call the sex trafficking hotline. Yeah, the local police, will, all, they, all they will say is, okay, well, we'll check it out. They're not going to check anything out. Yeah. Okay. Um, I always say call the hotline number. Um, the other thing that's really important to tell people is do not try to physically intervene Okay. Um, because a lot of times people will say, well, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to, you know, get between him and her. I'm like, you're going to get you and her shot. Um, because these pimps do not mess around. They don't play. They are almost always armed, very violent. They are not above killing you and anyone else that gets in the way. Um, okay. so it's, you know, if you can safely get a picture with your cell phone, that's great. That's a bonus please don't go out there and try to be Liam Neeson from the movie taken because yeah. you're going to get your yourself and others hurt, potentially killed. Right. Okay. I do want to say as a father, I, I have five and I'm not just being, you know, conceited here. I have five beautiful children, <laughs> but you, they're pretty. Yeah. <laughs> having these children, I have been able to pick up on certain things that I I had never seen before, right. things that I think other parents should pay attention to. On three separate occasions in three different cities, um, you need to watch out for couples because I have been in, like I said, in three different stores, a Target, a Walmart. I think it was two Targets. We were just walking around. No, it was, one of them was a Winn-Dixie. Um, but we were walking around shopping. We had our mm -hmm. children with us. And there was this very talkative woman who wanted help in every single situation. Um, and then there was her husband who was just kind of walking around following us and meeting back up with her. Yeah. And then, and this, this is something, like I said, I've seen this three times with my family. These people will, you need to know these signs. I don't know all of them. I just know, I just knew it when it was apparent, especially when yeah. we were in Atlanta because that's a dangerous mm -hmm. place for this. Yeah, but, I've been followed by couples before and I've in the grocery store and had to call yeah. my husband and be like, I need you to come to the grocery store and pick me up because I'm afraid to walk out to the parking lot because Atlanta yeah. is bad. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. You, you have to watch for that because that's that, that's the only piece of advice I can give as a parent is watch for couples where a woman talks to you and a man silently follows and then hooks up in other lanes with her. Like I was, wa mm -hmm. I was watching them yep. because you know that we walked away and then I just quickly walked and then saw them meet up and talk. And then the girl go back around to follow us. And yeah. So like, many, so many people have this <laughs> false sense of safety. Like, Oh, yeah. this wouldn't happen here. This isn't, you know, I live in a nice community. This wouldn't happen. If it was going to happen, it surely it wouldn't happen at Walmart or Target because there's, you know, they have cameras and stuff up and like they don't care. These people are brash. They do not care that there's cameras and other people and it's broad daylight. Yeah. They're out there. They're looking. And it's, you know, <laughs> a lot of times, you know, my kids before they really knew as much as they know now, because they're highly involved in what we do and they come to a lot of events with us and, 
Yeah. Uh, they used to be like, dad, you're so like hypersensitive. You're so over the top. You're so overprotective. I'm like, that's mm-hmm. my job as your dad. Mm-hmm. Like, I know what's out there and I know that it's not everybody, but the potential is out there and it ha- could happen at any time. Mm-hmm. You know, when I, when I sit here in this shop and help sex trafficking survivors, all I see is my kids and their mm-hmm. friends. I'm like, this could just as easily be my kid or one of their, their friends or a classmate or whatever. Nobody's immune to it and no community is immune to it. Yeah. I'll be honest. I, I don't know how bad it actually is in Chicago where you are, mm-hmm. but I'm very happy to be in the South because as I'm watching this happen where I live, you know, there's a pro- protect some protective equipment on my belt that oh, I me carry too. with me. I carry. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you better believe it. Yeah. In God I trust, but you know what? In Glock I trust too. You know, like, <laughs> and, and you know what? Like I'll say it like I pray every day that I only have to use it to put holes in paper, but if I have to use it, I have to use it and I'm trained to use it. And, uh, you know, that's what it comes down to. God can deal with me later. So what would you say about women who can't constantly walk around with a male escort? Like, you know, I'm, I'm lucky in that, you know, I, I have a husband who's willing to go everywhere with me, but what about women who are on their own? What, what can they do to sort of like protect themselves keep themselves aware stay off your phone when you're walking around you know how many times have we seen people walking around like this you know texting talking you got to be aware of your surroundings wherever you are Uh, you know and and don't put yourself in situations that are highly dangerous right Um, and if you can go somewhere with like more than one person that's always optimal right um, we've been doing a lot of talks lately in churches um, around like college campuses because kids are getting back to going back to school now and you know it kind of slips their mind but like yeah if you can go out with if you're going out or you're walking across campus at the end of the night after a night class you should probably have a couple buddies with you to walk back and forth with you um, or have someone come pick you up so you're not walking across campus on your own it's yeah. really just about, you know, a lot of people would be like, oh, you know, take self-defense classes. Yeah, that's great. But if you got somebody with a gun, that's not going to do you a bit of good. Right. Um, it's safety in numbers. Yeah. Safety in numbers is a, is a big thing. And, you know, um, but really it's it mostly it's about being aware of your surroundings and not being distracted um, by things that like your phone. Uh, situational you know, awareness situational awareness and you know and the other thing too i tell you know college kids god it makes me sound old when i call them kids but um you know I'm 32 I, I do the same thing well, i'm 50 so i am old right <laughs> but it's that whole thing of you know it i had a bunch of friends that were in the military and they they would always tell me like don't go home the same way every day like find different mm-hmm. routes yeah. you know because a lot of times these traffickers will watch and they'll watch for the patterns and they'll see, you know, when yeah. you you walk, oh, Tuesdays and Thursdays, 9.30 p.m., she walks back to her dorm a mile and a half from, you know, this classroom. Right. So don't go the same way, you know, be smart about it, be a little tactical in your thinking and be aware of your surroundings for sure. I've yeah, also well, noticed that 
a lot of sorry cam but i know i've noticed a lot of women will put identifying marks on their car that this is a girl's car i got a pink license plate i got the eyelashes on the 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 you know the the lights yeah things that indicate a woman drives this car and i think that that kind of identifies you as a target and sure. i've always kind of whenever i see that i point it out to my husband and i'm like shouldn't do that shouldn't do that and um to me that always just smacked of like you know you know that the person driving this car is physically weaker than most men yeah absolutely yeah. and, and yeah. my people do it all the time mom, up here my mom would not let me have a shirt with my name on it growing up because yeah she knew that if the wrong person saw it and said my name out loud and got my attention that could be trouble but also we were living through the satanic panic so there was a whole lot of stuff going on oh, yeah. at that point um well, you know what my my least favorite day of the year is first Halloween. day of school Okay. Because what do, what does every parent do the first day of school? They line up their right, kids the on the front step with their little sign, with their name, their school, what grade, the name of their teacher, like all the like. Why don't you just give them the key to your house? Like you know, you're giving them all the information that they need to talk to your kid. Right. But yeah, and all of their lives are on social media right. too oh, yeah. before they even have an account because yeah. their mothers are posting it. Yeah, yeah for sure. Well, it's like the, the, talking about um, the situation in those stores, what I need people to realize is that when that was happening, they were not going to try to snatch the child in the store. Right. They were casing. Oh, yeah. Like, like robbers do before they break into a home. Yeah. They were casing the area. And two of those times, they did it with me standing there. The other time, I was in another aisle, and I walked up on, on it. What they're going to do is they're going to see if there's that's why it's good. I'm there because I'm I'm a very nice sweet boy, but <laughs> I can look like a me like a mean. But same. I can, yeah, I can look same like way. a mean, uh, you know, bad word. Um, yeah. But um, that's what's good is because they were casing it because had they done anything, it would have been at the car. Oh, they would have yeah. they would have tried to park next to the car or, or they would have just taking a picture of your license plate to be able to find your address and take it down that path. Hmm. Right. And follow the kids home from school or case out their school. It's, it's, it is very rarely a quick hit. Boom. You're gone kind of thing. It's yeah. they're, they're gathering information. And that's yep. what I mean. Like when I'd say that these people are not stupid, they're very methodical. They are very, um, um, aware of what's going on and they know exactly how to get what they want. One thing that I love that I've seen on YouTube or TikTok or whatever are the people that go on to different websites and pose as children and yeah. wrangle these people into meeting them yeah. and then meet them either with police or just get them on camera, showing yep. them, showing the messages, showing what they did. I love that vigilante uh, evidence gathering. Like yeah, I we, love that that happens now. We we have a guy here that's on Facebook. His Facebook page is called Predator Proof, and he's a survivor. He was molested as a as a child, and he does that. He goes out and poses online as a, as a kid and gets these creeps to meet him like public places, and gets them on camera and follows them. <clears throat> in fact, one just happened a couple of months ago. He actually um, got arrested because one of the guys that he outed for being a predator was the son of a police chief near Chicago. 
and that police chief went after him was trying to press charges because um like all these people he would post he was posting it on um facebook where he was going to go and get this guy so a bunch of people showed up so they were trying to arrest him for um inciting mob action it was it was ridiculous wow um, you know and I, I think it's great what they do i think you know I, here's what i tell people all the time we walk a fine line between doing the right thing and being vigilantes, right? But I think that Jesus is trying to raise up an army of people and misfits that are like, I'm going to do this. And I don't care. Like, it might be kind of a little bit iffy, but <laughs> for the greater good, I'm going to do this. Someone mm -hmm. had to hide the Jews. Yeah. yeah. Rahab had to hide the spies. Right. Exactly. There's a place. Exactly. One good example is RBI. I don't know if you guys have heard of the RBI, which is the Reddit Bureau of Investigation. Yeah. So a lot of times where uh, local police agencies or even the FBI will fail, the collective effort of people on the internet can triangulate based on the um, the, the sky patterns of yeah. the, what do they call them, the chemtrails or whatever it is. They're able to, from a photograph, triangulate someone's position on the planet mm -hmm. within you know a couple of uh feet and yeah. they've managed to rescue people save mm -hmm. people find out you know there's a um, documentary that was on netflix for a while called uh, don't f with cats okay. and it was about oh, these people who had yeah who had abused uh animals mm -hmm. and the internet basically got together and was like not on our watch buddy huh. you know Did and you so the whole thing I did. I can't. I can't watch like Here's animal thing. or kid abuse. It really with, upsets me. It just started with animals. It ended with yeah. a a university student. That oh, wow. is one of the more disturbing stories out there. Okay. But yeah, you're right. It I, escalates. Of, that kind of thing starts with always. animals and usually escalates yeah. to to yeah. human beings. Yeah. yeah, abuse is abuse. And yeah. yeah. Well, I, I've never heard of the Reddit Bureau of Investigation, but it does make me think about when Shia LaBeouf. Um, had a flag that said uh, he will not divide us about Trump and he had a live video on it and the mm -hmm. people of 4chan found out exactly where it was but because of the planes in the sky and where yeah. the stars were at night and all of that and they found it, climbed the pole, took it down and put up a uh, Make America Great Again hat. <laughs> you if know, the internet very rarely does things for good but <laughs> occasionally they will... It's yeah. just look at look at the capability of what we are able to do if we come in numbers, if we're if there's safety in numbers. Yeah. Um, but let me ask, um, when it comes to how to help, like I said, I mentioned early on, uh, one of the places I looked into was Love 146. There was the Well House in Birmingham. Um, but what are some, uh, first off, let me say, you and your ministry of removing or covering tattoos is all done for free and you it's based on donations Correct. so if anyone wants to help chris out wants to help him continue to help these girls then go to inc 180 and there's there are links on the page to help donate to what he does and how he helps these women so first off do that but i was also going to ask are there ministries national worldwide um or even charities whatever that help these women that you would recommend people checking out and donating to as well. Yeah, I've, I mean, 
I work, I get to work with some amazing safe house partners. One of my favorites is here in the Chicago area. It's called reclaim 13 and it's, it is Illinois only safe house for juvenile survivors of sex trafficking. And they do incredible, incredible work. Um, you know, another is Naomi's house. So Naomi's house is a safe house first and foremost, but the other thing that they do is they've opened a transitional living house. So people that have gone through and graduated the safe house program, they're now in a transitional living to where they're getting, um, they're really working on building life skills and working towards um, self-sufficiency because they've never really learned how to do that, right? Right. So um, they're helping them get uh, job skills, get jobs, get educated, all that, but then helping them start their life on their own. Yeah. Um, so Naomi's house is a, is a huge one that we love. Um, and reclaim 13. We love, we love working with those guys. They've been tremendous to work with and we, we learn a lot through them as well. Yeah. And if, if anyone who's listening wants to donate to them, uh, we'll get some links from Chris and put them in the description. That way you can find it easily. Um, and blast them also, on Twitter too. Yeah. Also I will say um, it is good to think locally as well. So in your city, in your state, in the place that you live, there are women, there are children, there are young men that are being trafficked, that are slaves. And there are people out there that provide safe houses. There are uh, a couple of wild uh, motorcycle clubs that, that, that help and bust heads to those help are my guys that's right real quick i will say um i think it was two or three years ago i was riding my motorcycle on the interstate and um my throttle cable snapped and so i got caught in like the fork between the two the you know the interchange or whatever okay. and i was sitting there praying but i wasn't praying that a cop would find me i wasn't praying that someone would flag down or that a um a, some kind of tow truck would find me. I was praying that a, um, a one percenter would find me a club would find me <laughs> because yeah. those people would help me. And yeah. believe it or not, a bandito saw me on the side of the road, pulled his truck over. He and I lifted my motorcycle into the back of his truck and he drove me home and made it so that I could leave my, keep my bike at home until I could get it fixed. So they're not all bad. No, they're not. They're not at all. <laughs> But like I was saying, think locally. Try to find a local area and safe houses that you can find in your city, in your state, that you can help as well. Yeah, they're everywhere. Definitely. Yeah, when we and the whole country needs help. The whole world needs help. So I mean, you you can think globally and act locally if you want to, or you can just act locally and deal with what's in front of you. And there's nothing wrong with that. Your neighbors yep. need you. So yep. I just wanted to throw that in there. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so doing this i like you said we talked about how there's some hope and there have been women who have um come through mm-hmm. um what is like i said i love tattoos i love like i i i love them too much um, i'm sure you understand about people <laughs> i get it i have 102 <laughs> of them <laughs> i get it i think oh, wow. i have like seven maybe but oh, you know one day yeah you'll get there <laughs> wait till um, you're 50 you'll, you'll have <laughs> but um, when you're doing this, do you find that there is more joy in these cover-ups than in just placing a, a new tattoo or oh. is it? Okay. Yeah. That's no what question. I was wondering. 
Yeah, no question. If I never have to tattoo another infinity symbol on a college girl again, it'll be great. <laughs> uh, so, I, I mean, I tell people all the time, right now the way it breaks down is I, I do about 30% of my work is regular paid business and 70% is free ministry work. If I could afford to do 100% ministry, seven days a week, I would do that. Absolutely. Um, so I will say, when I got my first tattoo, which is this anchor, uh -huh. it was apparently around the time everyone was getting anchors. And I didn't okay. know that because I, I'd been had I had this in my mind for two years because it's got the little Cairo symbol sure. in it. Yeah. And it's from the song How He Loves by John Mark McMillan. Mm -hmm. The, it, you know, if grace is an ocean, we're all sinking. What yeah. sinks? Anchors. Uh -huh. That's why I put it on my arm. Yeah. And so I, love it, that. I, just, I got so annoyed. Because everyone was like, oh, it's so basic. You got an anchor. And I was like. But anchors have been a Christian symbol for yeah, thousands of years. Exactly. They, when Christianity was illegal and they had to hide in the catacombs, instead of drawing crosses, they would draw anchors. Yeah. Yep. And so you're part of a long, proud tradition with that. Well, yeah. I, I, I've got this one. Like I said, I have the Cairo on it. It's one of my favorite symbols. And then yeah. this is actually probably my favorite tattoo. It's the simplest. I don't know if you recognize what this is. But it's the tetragrammaton. Oh yeah, it's. Um, but I, what I decided when I got it was that I what is for those who don't know what the tetragrammaton in is, it's the name Yahweh. It's oh. um, Y H W H. But I chose the period that I chose was the Aramaic period. Yeah. So this is how it would have been written when Jesus was walking the earth. Sure. And so this tattoo, I chose this because of the um, the verse in Song Song of Solomon. Uh, I'll set you as a seal upon my heart, as a seal upon my arm. That's the seal on my arm. There you go. So I love it. <laughs> this is one of my favorite ones. Let's see if we can see it uh, right, right here. It's yeah. the Nazarene symbol. So it's, you know, in the Muslim world, that's the symbol for Christians. So yeah. I, went to, I went to Egypt and I got that on my arm before I went there because I was like, what are you going to do? Kill me? Like, here I am. <laughs> You know, well, so. the, Cop the Coptics, the, the Coptic Christians is some of the oldest yeah. uh, Christian tradition yeah. on the planet. Yep. Like um, a lot of people think Christianity sprang up in Europe. It did not. It sprang in Syria and yeah. Egypt to Damascus. That is where Christianity comes from. Yep. So I like that quite a bit because yeah. it harkens to the original yeah. uh, Jesus movement. Yes. Like OG. Yes. <laughs> yeah. But one of the funny um, things is, I I get people when I'm in churches speaking, because I when I speak in churches, I wear like you know shorts down to like my knee and like a short sleeve button up shirt, so my tattoos are everywhere. Right. And they're like, "How many different Jesus tattoos do you have?" I'm like, "Is there a limit? Like, is <laughs> how many are too is too many? You know, like I don't know. I have one on my hand, one on my shin. I have the crosses." On my neck here, I've nice. got Jesus whispering into my ear on the back of my head. <laughs> I've got my Lego Jesus on my hand. You know, like nice. <laughs> how, is there a law I can't have that many Jesus tattoos? Like, no. <laughs> I'm friends with Brian Welch from Corn, and I sent him a picture of the back of my head a few weeks ago when I got it done, and he's like, "Bro, that's sick." He's like, "You're like a walking billboard for Christ." I'm like, "That's yeah. what we're supposed to be, right?" As that Orthodox, is a person I would love to speak to, by the way. So if, awesome. if you if if you ever talk to him and you're like, "Hey, here's a little podcast that you should be on," I would invite yeah. you. <laughs> I'll send him a yeah. text. 
He's awesome. I thought awesome. Yeah, I'm going to see him in a few weeks. They're playing in Milwaukee, so I'll definitely. Imagery, imagery is extremely important, and oh, yeah. it, it identi- that like the art that we consume. Um, identi- what what's the word I'm looking for? Forms much of our identity. Absolutely. So when you have this imagery on your body, and you're able, like it's it's a symbol of something that's painful in your past, and you're able to make it new, make it something that belongs to you instead of to someone else. I can see how very powerful that is. Yeah, well, go ahead. I'm sorry. I want. I'll, I'll tell you a cool illustration of that, and how it comes to life every day for me. I got the word disciple across my knuckles. There you and, go. Yeah. And I did that for two reasons. Um, because I love Jesus and I want to live like a disciple, right? Mm-hmm. But here in Chicago, the biggest gang in Chicago is the Latin Kings. Mm-hmm. All their enemies are all the gangs that end in disciple the black disciple, the Satan's disciples, the Latin disciples, the gangster disciples, the maniac disciples, like all these gangs. So I work with a lot of former Latin Kings to remove their tattoos. So I'm, I'll be in here. We're setting up the station, talking, talking about what we're going to do. And they'll see disciple across my knuckles and they'll kind of look down at it, look up at me and look down, look back up. And they're like, Hey, Chris, I thought you said you weren't in, in a gang. I'm like, I wasn't. Like, man, why do you have disciple across your knuckles, man? That's messed up, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, because I'm a disciple of Jesus, the one that paid the ultimate price with his life so you can live freely and get away from that old life and be right. in the creation. And then we Living start talking the about best gang ever. That, and that's <laughs> it, right? So, so really what you're saying is 100% true. The artwork that I put on my body now glorifies Jesus and starts conversations with people that would never walk into a church, right? Because they would feel judged. They would feel unwanted, unwelcomed. Um, And because let's, let's be honest. I mean, it took me 38 years to become a Christian because I knew too many of the wrong kind my whole life that told me I was going to go to hell and, you know, you need to stop doing this and this and this constantly like, pointing you know pointing their finger saying you know come on and you know i love that my art gets to do that gets to reach somebody and and let them see jesus maybe for the first time and um and really interact with them in a manner in which i believe jesus would love them yeah i believe that the church is not meant to be a house of the holy but a hospital for sinners yeah absolutely because who isn't Right. You know, Jesus ministered to the people that the, um, what were they called? Cam, what were the, the priests called? Pharisees? The Pharisees. The Pharisees wouldn't touch these people. They wouldn't, like physically would not touch yeah. these people. And that that is the people who Jesus was out there ministering to. The woman who reached out and touched uh, the, the hem of his cloak yeah. and was healed by her faith that if she could just touch him. And he turned around and said, who touched me? And this woman said, me, I'm so sorry. I, you know, I knew you would heal me. And he said, your faith healed you. And like, he wasn't like, get away from me. You're unclean. You know, all of these things. The woman who came to wash her, his feet with her hair was a Mm -hmm. sinner. The woman at the well, the the person that Jesus has the longest one-to-one conversation with in the entire Bible is a sinful woman. Yeah. And so it speaks so much to the character of um, our king. Right. That, yeah, that's who, you know, and that's 
and you're carrying that spirit truly. And I know there are a lot of Christians who would say, well, you're not supposed to have tattoos. Well, okay. okay you're not supposed to judge <laughs> is what you're yeah. not supposed to do. People tell yeah. me every day how I shouldn't have tattoos, you know? Um, <laughs> yes. I mean, you're right. Like, you know, the thing about the whole thing with being a Christian has never, ever been about being perfect. Um, on my inside of my arm here, I, it says God deserves better. And that's how I try to live. Like I try to be, I try to draw myself closer every day and treat people how I think he would treat people with love and kindness and understanding, but more than anything, listening to people, you know, just kindness. Um, it's, you know, kindness can be infectious too, but, and it can start off like just this ripple effect of grace that, you know, we all need right now. We all need time, you know, uh, a pastor that I was friends with several years ago got a tattoo and started getting all kinds of flack for it. Yeah. And uh, he, he'd first started by saying, going, talking about in revelation that Jesus had his name written on his thigh. Yeah. So if Jesus has a tattoo, I, I, I think I'm allowed to have a tattoo, but yep. then he changed I've never, it. I've never heard that. That's interesting. Revelations 19. All right. When he returns, he'll have his, he'll have his name on his robe and on his thigh. And yeah. so that's that's one thing that he used, but he stopped using that because people would, were constantly saying, "Well, your body is a temple. Your body is a temple. Why would you put tattoos on it?" And he goes, "Yes, my body is a temple. I'm just adding stained glass." That's right. I say uh, that all the time. I say amazing. I just have really nice wallpaper, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but here, here's another one for you. So people challenge me on this all the time, and I think that they do it for sport because I think they look at me. And they assume that I don't know the Bible. Now, I'm not an expert on the Bible, but I've read the Bible numerous times. I'm in it every day, right? I spend my time in that book learning every day. Yeah. Um, and when people come at me, usually they're they're very snide, very angry. And I, I just talk to them like this. The first thing I tell them is, look, if you don't like tattoos, I respect your opinion. It does not bother me one bit that you don't like tattoos. Yeah. Um, I said, however, here's how I see things. Um, and this is just my understanding and my view. I bring up Revelations 19, where it says, when he returns, he'll have his name on his robe and on his thigh. But Isaiah 40, I think it's 49, 16, God is speaking and says, um, behold, I have the names of my children engraved in the palms of my hands. I could never forget you. And and people get really like mad. feel something when you say that, right? Yeah. yeah. People get mad. Legalistic folks get mad when you say stuff like that, because like, are you trying to say that Jesus and you know, God has a tattoo? I'm like, I'm not saying anything. I'm just citing a couple pieces of scripture. If you look at Leviticus, that's what everybody throws out about the tattoos. Here's mm-hmm. the thing with Leviticus. In my opinion, Leviticus was written as a health code at that time because people were doing stupid stuff and dying because of it. Mm-hmm. The whole verse in Leviticus where they're talking about tattoos is 1928. And it's talking about how they used to um, mark themselves for the dead and for pagan gods, right? Um, for false gods. So it's not mm-hmm. about, you know, don't go get uh, an anchor tattooed on you or a cross or Jesus whispering into your ear. It's don't go get some false God, you know, right. dude or carved into your body. So 
And the thing is, if you read, I tell, I ask them, I'm like, have you read all of Leviticus? I know you know the tattoo part of it, but have you read the whole thing? Right. Like, well, yeah. And then if, yeah, and I'm just having like a calm, peaceful conversation with people and they get more and more and more angry, right? Mm. Um, and I'll be like, can I ask you a question since you've read all of Leviticus? And they're like, all right, I'm like, are you wearing underwear today? And they get really offended, right? That spins them out hard. And they're like, what? I'm like, yeah, are you wearing underwear? Yeah. And they're like, well, yeah. I'm like, well, then you're just as sinful as me because in Leviticus, it says that you're not supposed to wear clothing of mixed fibers. Mixed fibers, yeah. Right? I know so that one, yeah. So last time I checked, most undergarments are cotton, polyester, spandex, like combinations of each, right? Yeah. So that's just as bad. And, you know, it's like, don't judge me because I sin different than you, okay? Yeah. Because believe me, if I was going to go to hell for my old life, it was for something way different than a tattoo. Like, <laughs> right. The least of my concerns is tattoos. Right, it, it's right. just so silly what people get fired up about. Or they'll tell me, you know, I should get all my tattoos removed, but they have their ears pierced. Yeah. It's like, yeah, yeah. Wait, you shave your beard, you shave your face. Oh, you're not supposed to do that either. Cut the sides of your hair. I'm good there. Not I'm supposed good to. There. Yeah, you're good. <laughs> you're solid. What? Yeah. My question to those people would be like, your tattoos have led you to do this thing, which is an yeah. amazing mitzvah. It's a blessing um, to the people that you're doing it for. And without tattooing, you wouldn't be there for them. No. Is there contention that this ministry should not exist, that this aid and this help and this blessing should just not exist because no. they don't like tattoos? No, like, in that's fact, most of, madness. Say, most of them will tell me, I love the ministry work you do. Yeah. But I, I'm not okay with tattoos. I'm like, well, you can't have it both ways. You know, yeah. it's what we do. I don't make mm -hmm. them dinner. I mean, I'm, you know, um, it's really weird. But the thing is, you know, usually when these conversations go, these people just get more and more and more agitated. And finally, I'll get, I'll get to a point where it's like, okay, I've had enough. Um, mm -hmm. I've, I've given you my reasons. I've listened to yours. Um, but at the end of the day, what I'll say, if it gets to a point where I'm like, okay, diminish, talk about diminished returns. It's <laughs> like, uh, look, let's just agree to disagree on this topic, but let's agree that there's way bigger problems in the world like sex trafficking and gang violence and poverty and you know people that don't have clean water to drink. That's what we as Christians need to focus our energy and our attention on, not the fact that you don't like tattoos. Right. Right. So they well, will I know of a by our love. Yeah, that's it. There's um, a pastor who ministers to um, men who are on uh, death row and in maximum security prisons. Mm -hmm. And someone was saying something along the lines of, do you have to swear so much? And he's like, these dudes are killing each other. Like, can you like, have a priority, uh, like a list of priorities <laughs> here? You know, like, and I was yeah. like, yeah, maybe the cursing is not the top priority for this guy. Well, I will yeah. say though, this has been this. This is giving me hope. This has been our our most curse free episode ever. <laughs> well, True. I didn't know that. I mean, if I would have known it was allowed, I would have dropped a few. But no. <laughs> you, <know. laughs> you can. But no. we're we're trying to encourage ourselves not to. So well, it's I moving in the right hope. direction. I say it's hopeful because 
my mom is going to come on the show in a few weeks. Right on. And that'll be a no cussing show. Cool. Well, good for you. So it was a good, you know, baby steps, right? You get baby yeah. steps. <laughs> yeah. No, it's fun. I go in um, four days a week. I go and I do tattoo removals in local county jails around the area. So there's four that I work with currently. But I'll tell you, I go into those places and um, it, it's very interesting, the conversations, how they differ inside of a jail or a prison facility than here in the shop, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and you were talking about before about like the types of things we consume and surround ourselves with, how it changes our attitudes. Yes. Um, a lot of times I'll still listen to the old like gangster rap or metal music that I've loved for a long time. And it, it does start to change the way I talk and change my demeanor and change my um, patience level for sure. Mm-hmm. And I'll, I will literally like consciously be like, okay, look, all right, we're going to stop this. I'm going to listen to nothing but, you know, positive music or positive movies or whatever. I'm going to stop watching the news for a while and see what it does. And my positivity comes right back up. Like, yeah, hey, I, you know? I recommend everyone stop watching the news. Y'all, <laughs> yeah. that's the most poisonous thing ever. Uh, there's an or, there's an orthodox priest who says um and i loved when i heard this he says your eyes are sacred so mm. don't look at filth with them because they're the light how light gets into your body yeah. and don't you know don't take in filth and i was like wow that is an incredibly impactful way to look at your own eyeballs as like yeah. your these are your windows to the world and they are sacred so you know fill yeah. them with sacred yeah. light yeah, I will say it's kind of hilarious that we run a horror movie challenge, though. I know my priest said something <laughs> to me about that. <laughs> uh, well, I'll tell you what I did. I uh, I did a whole thing. I I've had or I've I'm past it now. I'll say this. I've I've gotten way past it. But I had this debilitating fear my whole life of clowns. Thank well, you. Well, of course, uh, they're terrible, terrible, terrible. things. Clowns. Well, Stephen King, man. When uh, when the It movie was remade a few years ago, uh, my kids and my wife and di- you know different friends of mine all thought it was hilarious to joke with me about, oh, we're gonna go see It, we're gonna go see It. Be like, yeah, never. Um, I did a sermon. I was filling in for my my former pastor um, like the week before the It movie came out, and I did my message was all about fear. And um, poured a lot into this message and, and did it. And after church, me and my wife and our kids, we go to lunch every week and just kind of talk and talk about the week and, and kind of reset. And my son, Tyler, said to me, Dad, that was a really good message, man. I, was, I really got a lot out of that. It was really good. And he, and he goes, um, when are you going to start living that one out? I was like, I'm, oh, excuse dang. me, what? And he goes, <laughs> yeah, you know, clowns, you know, you won't, you won't go see it with me. And I was like, in my head, I was like, oh, all right. Okay. We're going to, we're going to go there. Okay. So I went on and I went on Fandango and I bought tickets for us all to go see it the next Mm -hmm. Sunday after church. So the next Sunday comes, we go to church, we go and we're getting ready to leave church. And the kids look at me and like, Hey dad, where are we going for lunch today? Like, oh, we're not like, oh, how come? And oh, we're going to go to the movies. Oh yeah. What are we going (laughs) to see? Oh, we're gonna go. I go. I bought tickets for us to go see it, and they're all laughing like, "Oh yeah, ha, sure, okay, whatever." I pulled the tickets out on my phone. I'm like, "Here you go." So we go to see it 
and we're sitting there in the theater. My wife and my kids are sitting there like this through the whole movie. <laughs> and I'm sitting there and I'm watching it. And it was not, it wasn't that gory. My thing is like gory stuff. And I can't watch anything yeah, where the kids get hurt. So that was bothersome, right? Yeah, I'm the same way. Yeah. But I'm watching it. And, you know, the movie's building and building and building and building and building to its peak. And the, the moral of the story is if you believe it's real, it's real. And if you don't, it's not real and it shouldn't bother you. And I'm like, you yeah. gotta be kidding me. So I, uh, the next week I was in here, I was removing a sex trafficking tattoo for a survivor named Julie. And I'd been working with her for uh, about a month and a half. And we always had great conversations. And I had asked her what she was working on in her, her treatment. And she was, she had been working on fear triggers and things that would trigger her PTSD and how to deal with yeah. it. So I told her the story that I just told you about the whole clown thing and all that. And the most, she did the most beautiful thing for me the next time she came back. I'll see if I can show y'all here. Um, she drew that picture of it. Oh, wow. <laughs> Talented. Right? So I hung it yeah. up. There, and it's hard to read on here, but I can, I'll read it to you. It says, thank you so much, Chris. You helped me to uh, move forward from my fears and face my fears. You rock. And it's hilarious because I have that here on my station. And I've had numerous people come in here for regular tattoos. And they see that and they're like, oh, they kind of shudder a little bit. Yeah. Like, why, do you have, why do you have that? Why do you have that? You got Jesus over here and Tupac. Like, why do you have it? You know? And I tell them the story and I tell them who blessed me with that piece of art. And they're like, wow, that's, that's pretty awesome. <laughs> so <laughs> when you know that it's a be it's beautiful. Like it's yeah. a yeah. lovely it, thing. It's no longer scary. Now it's a, a beautiful story and a beautiful right. truth. Right. Right. Um, so yeah, it's, it's crazy how God works sometimes. So uh, to to wrap up the the conversation, like I said earlier on, um, we talk about hope a lot. Yeah, the last and especially over the last year and a half, because a lot of people have lost hope. They've been more or less nihilistic, and that is that's not how I function. Mm -hmm. I see a lot of bad things. I see a lot of things that make me want to lose hope. But of course, you know, I have the hope of the res resurrection. I have these things that transcend that completely. Yeah. But one of the things we like to do on the show at, before I tell everyone where to find you, what, what you, they can do is um, we ask our guest, what is it right now in your life? It could be, and I, I go into the, the description, it could be national, global, it could be very personal, whatever it is, what currently gives you hope? What motivates you at this at this point? My kids, um, my kids are um, 23, 19, and 16. And they're at that point where they're beginning to develop into who they're going to be as, a, mm -hmm. as people, right? Yeah. And seeing my kids um, observe what we've been able to do here the last 10 years and be a part of that, and then to search within themselves and, and, and work with God through prayer to get their calling and how to use their gifts from him to lift other people yeah. up. I think that's the most beautiful thing that I get to see every single day. I mean, I, there's a lot of hopeful things that I see and I, I truly try to focus on 
the positive in every interaction I have and every person I meet, but to be able to see it in my own kids um, is one of the biggest blessings I'll ever have in my life. It's awesome. I get that. Mine are very little, <laughs> but yeah. I, you know, the, the idea of the image of God is very, it's much bigger than the way we think about it. It's, yeah. it's much more, but, I get to see these tiny people, um, which there's one missing from this picture, but I get to see these tiny people. The new one. Yeah. Um, and I see me, I see my yeah. wife, I see my image. I see, unfortunately, some of the bad stuff that comes from me, but I see all the good, you know, I get to, there, there are reflections of my darkness, but there are much brighter reflections of what God put into me. That was, that was good. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So with that, I do want to remind people that if they see someone who they may think be, may think that is sex trafficking or is a pimp for a woman or anything like that, they can call sex trafficking hot, hotline. I'll remind you of that number, which is 888-373-7888. Call that, help them out. Um, but also, help Chris out because he, he, like he said, 70% of his work is to help people. It's to bring beauty out of pain to redeem tragedy. And if you want to do that, you can head over to his website, ink180.com. You can see some of his art. You can see the PayPal donation link. You can help him positively affect women who have been stolen and have had their lives stolen. If you want to follow him, I found him on Facebook. Just search for ink 180. He's also on Twitter at Inc. 180. Um, but beyond that, is there anything else you want people to to find or look at or support if they can? Um, I mean, Reclaim 13, definitely, and Naomi's house. Um, they can, if you just Google them, all their socials will pop up and everything. Um, they do phenomenal work. But like you had said before, Cam, look locally too. There's a, there's a need in your community. Um, and if you need help finding that, we can help you find it. So reach out um, and you can email me. Anybody that wants to email me has questions. Um, my email is chris at ink180.com. I would love to help you um, find somebody to work with in your local area, but we would love to talk to you as well. Awesome. Well, I, I, I definitely thank you. Thank you. Want, want to talk to you more. Thank you for coming on here. Thank you for doing what you do because you feel you not feel you fill a niche that most people don't know exists. Mm -hmm. Thank you. I mean, it's and all him. All, all the glory for it goes to God. I mean, I'm just the lucky one that's blessed enough to be able to, to be the hands and feet that are blessed to do this work. I, I, I truly am. I wake up every morning and say, I get to go to work today. It's not, oh, I have to go to work. <laughs> it's, yeah. Well, and, that's, and you know, that's the thing. It's like, like I mentioned the image of God briefly, but the image of God is a job. Yeah. It's tending the garden. It's absolutely having, and okay. you are, you are doing the work. I see God's image and I thank respect you. you and I admire you for that. Uh, thank you for coming on. I'll let you go now so that we can rattle off our nonsense. Um, but you're welcome back anytime. Anytime you just want to hang out and talk about anything, just let me know. We can do Love that. Too. Anytime so you guys need me, I'm here. I'd love to be here. And let let Brian Brian Welch know that we we'll talk to him too. Yeah, I will. <laughs> and you know what? He he will. I mean, they're just starting their tour, but we'll make that happen. He would love to That'd talk to awesome. you guys. He does his stuff all That'd the time. That'd be so cool. 
been a fan since I was a teenager. That would be the thrill of my life. I'll tell you what, he is one of the most centered and down to earth Christians I've ever met in my life. Nice. That's awesome. He radiates the love of Christ. That's for sure. Those are my people. Yeah, me too. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you guys. God bless. Sorry. (laughs) For everyone else. um, That was honestly one of the deeper, deepest conversations we've done. It's one that had, we talked about darkness. We talked about light. We talked about redemption. And I'm very happy that we got to do this. Um, but we do have much to look forward to. There's always cool stuff on the horizon. Uh, I'll tell you next week, we're talking to my friend Kim Shang. Uh, and we're going to be talking about stoicism. Her mom recently passed so away. So looking, Yeah, I'm looking yeah. forward to that episode a lot. Yeah. Her mom recently passed away. But even before that, she started looking into this way of uh, living her life and taking some of the philosophy of stoicism to help her out. And it's something I don't know about. And so uh, she's a Christian as well. It'll be a very interesting, good episode, I think. Um, following that, we have Nick Ashley on to talk about something. We'll figure it out. Maybe I'll do a poll. Hummus. Say, hummus something maybe? Turkish. I don't know. Who knows? <laughs> um, after that, uh, we have our friend Nick Pacone coming back. He's going to. We're going to do a philosophy talk with him. Um, and then, believe it or not, you guys get to meet my mom. And it's going to be a lot like this conversation because in a, in a different way, she does a very similar thing to what Chris does. Um, but we'll talk about that more later. So my mom's the, my mom's on the thing. You'll see her picture. You're going to, you're going to go, Oh yes, you do kind of look like her. Um, but with that, run your mouth coffee, rymcoffee.com promo code, the mad ones, 10% off. We get a little cut. We get to keep this thing going. Uh, if you want to watch our episodes that come out early or our entire backlog, go to rockfin.com slash the mad one, sign up there. We have a Patreon. So if you want to just give us cash, we'll take it. Patreon.com slash the mad ones, Twitter at cam Harless at soup Canarchist. If you want a shirt, we're both wearing our tank tops tonight. We are. Boys. We're shirt buddies we're, today. We are. We are. Oh twin. my God, I'm going to fall. <laughs> <laughs> we are the mad ones.com slash store. Um, you're here. If you're not on YouTube, if you're listening to this, youtube.com slash the mad ones. We're also on Odyssey. Just search for us. And we are the mad ones.com. You can also listen also on a pod, every podcatcher. So that's all I have. Is there anything else you want to say before we go? No, just I really got a lot out of this episode. And, you know, I hope that you guys take the uh, information about the charities and run with it. Because I know that our community can be so charitable. And this is just I can't think of something more deserving um, of a way that we can, um, you know, walk the walk. We talk the talk. Let's walk the walk, guys. Yes. Yeah. Um, So with that, I will end it. You'll get to hear the music, see the picture of my mom. So with that, um, we're known by our love. So go do some loving.